Do you know what the secret is to keep a baby's skin healthy? The secret is a diaper that doesn't leave skin wet. You've heard me talk about Pampers Swaddlers on our podcast many, many times now, and that's because Pampers Swaddlers is the diaper for healthy baby skin. Pampers Swaddlers absorbs wetness better than the leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. And if you're a fan of Pampers, you've got to check out their new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, which clean better than Huggies Natural Care and are five times stronger, so they resist tearing during a diaper change. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. And if you're like me and you love saving and getting rewarded for something you gotta buy anyway, like diapers, don't forget to download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. You can redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers free and gentle wipes for healthy baby skin. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Welcome to ABG, Asian Boss Girl, a podcast for the modern day Asian American woman. My name is Helen. I'm Janet. And I'm Mel. All right, today we are starting our second to last episode of the season. Wow. That flew by. So quick. But as with every season, we always make a little time for a Q&A segment or episode. So today we're going to be asking a couple of questions that our listeners have so wonderfully submitted. We're going to talk about everything from love to work to life goals to we have a section titled random, so that's a surprise. <laughs> Culture, etc. So let's just dive right in. Let's start with the which category, ladies? Let's start with love, because I love love. Aww. All right, that's also the first one on the list. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, before we start, actually, all these questions are from Instagram. Our Instagram handle is at Asian Boss Girl. We're pretty active on that social channel. So if you guys want to interact with us, we do like fun quizzes behind the scenes. And you guys could be part of our next batch of questions for our next season. All right, so jumping into our first question from Jennifer.Y. Any advice for being the only single girl in, in a friend group in their late 20s? I think this question is to Mel. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, I, as um, I was reading the question, I was staring at You're Janet. You're me. I know. Because like, me and Janet are both the single ones, but. Yeah, yeah. yeah I've been single in my 20s, so we can, we can all answer we that. We can all have our, yeah. yes. Uh, so Janet. <laughs> Any advice? Um, what's helpful for me is having close girlfriends who are also single. So even if you have a core group of friends that you maybe go out with a lot and if you're the only single person, just make time to meet other people who share in that understanding, I guess. Yeah, Yeah. I think that's that was the same for me. So when I was single and in L.A. for a period of time, like I wasn't distracted by boys. I wasn't distracted by a lot of things. And so you do find a lot of time for yourself. And I realized during that self time that what I like to do is run on the beach and go work out. And so I would do like BBG meetups and meet a lot of people that Mm. way. So a lot of like single girls who are also interested in things that you do. And then you you build like a community that way. I agree. Actually, I was present when Helen was single. It was really fun, actually. I think when Helen was single, we, I feel that's when our friendship got really strong. So I feel like use this time to like find other friends to really build that strong friendship with because I think some friendships could take you by surprise. And I think that's how I developed my friendship with Helen. It's like I didn't expect her to be single and me to be single. But then I feel like that moment in time really helped us like become closer as like friends and as develop more as women. But my advice for you is like a blend of Janet and Helen's. So I'll take pieces from both. I was single for like five years. Before I got my last ex-boyfriend. I mean, it sucks sometimes. I, I, you see your friends like being lovey-dovey and they're traveling. You're like, oh, I want to do that too. But honestly, like I use that period to really focus on myself and really ask like myself the deep questions. Like, what do I really want to accomplish in life and all these things? And use this point in your life to level up. Level up 
work on yourself, be the best version of you, because as you continue to level up, you will find a man that is reaching those levels with you. So in a sense, it's kind of like an opportunity for you to find a better partner for you down the future, right? You're investing in your future when you focus on you. I have actually something else to add as well. So I would say also that if you are single and you're finding yourself with time to hang out with couples, to not like overthink it. I think oftentimes when people like, you're like, oh my God, I'm third wheeling again, or oh my God, I'm fifth wheeling again. Oftentimes the couples don't really care and they just want to hang out. And I, I went to a lot of dinners with friends, like when they were a couple and I was a third person. And I just, you know, you enjoy their company and don't think too much about it. Yeah. And don't I get think- in your head too much about it. Yeah, and I feel like most of our couple friends in LA, it's like they're they're not the type to make us feel uncomfortable for being single either. So I feel like maybe I would ask yourself, if you're the one in your own head making yourself feel uncomfortable yeah, sometimes yeah. in these groups, because yeah. I think couples don't really care. They just like, to, yeah. they're just friends with you and they want to spend time with you. Another thing I wanted to add though, I think Helen mentioned like, you know, find friends or Communi- I think- Find a community. Find a community. I think for me personally, like even though like I have a lot of girlfriends in my immediate friend group that are in a relationship, I seeked out other friends within work. Like my last job, I found really cool single girlfriends I could confide in. And it made my job a lot more fun for me too. So just like, mm-hmm. I feel That's like these are ways for you to look at other aspects of your life and how you can enhance that as well. So those are the advice we would give you for being the only single girl in the group. So we hope you found that helpful, Jennifer.Y. We're going to move on to the next question from Dina, D-I-N-N-E-H-A. Dina. Dina. Like dinner? I want some <laughs> dinner. I want some. So Dina wants to know, do you think you can grow to be physically attracted to someone? Oh, this is the age old debate. I for sure do think so. And this is from experience too. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to say which boyfriend, but one of my boyfriends, I was not attracted to when I first met him. So actually we were really good friends and we started off just being very platonic friends. And I think he liked me, but he never told me. So Mm -hmm. it was one of those things where I was like, he's a really cool guy. And he would ask me to go to like events with him and just hang out as friends. And I was like, okay, I will do that. There was always an inkling in my mind, like, oh, I think he likes me though. So I shouldn't lean him on. But Mm -hmm. the more we hung out, the the more that I realized that he was getting more attractive because he was such a level-headed person, so fair, so like kind and sweet. And I was just like, after a while, like the physical attraction just started to come to me. It was weird. Mm. Yeah, it was really, really strange. And I started to focus on like the good features of his physicalness mm. rather than focusing on what I initially didn't like. Yeah. So 100% would say that that's possible. So my question is, when you first met him, were you like, completely no, I don't feel anything. And then, or was there always like a little inkling? It wasn't completely, it wasn't like, ooh, that's butt. Yeah. But it was like, <laughs> it was like, they're like, He's cute, you know? Yeah. He's not, like, hot. He, I wouldn't, like, jump him, you know? Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. Jenna, you said one of your criteria is, like, I need to want to jump him, right? Yeah. Definitely didn't want to jump him. Maybe just want to, like, hug him. Yeah. Right? But at least you wanted to hug him, so that needs <laughs> like, to be, physically that kind needs of to be there. Him. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's touchable, you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I would say I agree. Like, I have had a couple of boyfriends in the past whom I was not attracted to initially. And, in fact, their personalities were not at all types that I would like, but... Mm as I got to know them or they were really persistent, like mm-hmm. I got to know character traits or values and mm-hmm. that kind of switched it for me. I think it was a good way to explain that you start to like find the parts physically that you find really cute or yeah. like some small things start to become really attractive. Right. But I always still feel like at mm. the end of the day, there's something about that core chemistry that isn't just like I find you attractive, but it's like I feel like an animalistic like mm-hmm. thing. Like that's really hard for me to develop if it's not there. Yeah. I'm on the fence, but I, I think I'm leaning towards what Janet says because I had a moment too when like in middle school, like I had this guy named 
Hey, Justin. Justin. Um, and oh, name dropping. Justin. He's <laughs> actually like my really good friend from back home. And we always joke around about this, but we were in sixth grade together. I was like, whatever. And then he got a haircut all of a sudden. I was like, I like you. But that, was, <laughs> that is so funny. I know. That's happened so many times right. in high school. Right. A haircut can change a lot. Yes. Right. But that was like middle school. So I feel like in that okay. sense, yes, it kind of changed. But then funny, this question is asked today because literally, I think I brought this up in a previous episode about this similar theme. I was on the phone with my best guy friend. You guys all know him. And we literally were just talking about, why don't we just like each other? You know? This was a recent conversation? Like this morning. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Like, and then we're joking around. I was like, you know, dude, I was like, we get along so well. Like, we're best friends. But honestly, dude, I don't want to jump you. Ooh. I was like, I don't feel anything. Do you like, want to hug him, though? I, I could hug him. And I could actually say, I think he's actually really attractive. He's an mm. attractive guy. I would say a lot of women find him attractive. But for me, I'm like, for some reason, dude, when you like touch me or put your hand on my arm or something anything that, that's like semi-intimate i'm like yuck mm. very gross so then i don't know sometimes i wonder if, if you're too close with someone that line can uh, never be crossed yeah i, I think mm. something unique with my ex was more also like his personality was a little bit more quiet at first mm. so i also didn't find that attractive but then when he opened up to me it was like oh this is like a secret i'm able to i know this oh. side of you that is so funny that is mm. so like down to earth that shift made me more attractive to personality and then looks came so i think maybe because you guys you and your friend are already so open with one another mm -hmm. that there's no like secret you're finding yeah. in him or whatever it's kind of just like it's already all, all laid out there yeah, right yeah. it's like this is what i get yep. and i don't want that <laughs> yeah which is like no completely true but sometimes a part of me wishes like i was like we're so open with each other i know everything i'm like you know what you would make a really great partner yeah but then i'm like i just don't ugh, the like, physical yeah. is just not there for you yeah. yeah i guess the answer here is it depends yeah it really does and so we're just gonna cut it off here we have a couple of other questions that we received but if you're interested in our discussions about dating we do have some past episodes that you could refer back to and that is episode 5 20 something girls versus 30 something women part 2 sex and dating and then there's also episode 26 modern day dating am i doing this right so refer back to those two and also send us your other questions so we can collect them for next season's q a all right, so heading into our next category, work. The next question comes from Julia C. How do I quit a job? I love what I do and the people I work with, but I feel like I need to move on. I guess my question for you would be, why do you feel like you need to move on if you love what you do and the people you work with? So what is it about? It's kind of, uh, I kind of want more information yeah. on yeah. this question. I kind of interpreted the question really literally, which is just like how you quit a job. Two weeks like, notice. Yeah, I was like, I've done it like five times. <laughs> so two weeks notice is like a very standard thing, mm -hmm. I think, within any industry. So let your boss know two weeks ahead of time. But I think in terms of like the mental support, like find people who will support you and sort of egg you on in quitting the job, right? Do you think, Janet, when you have quit your jobs in the past, that like that you've surrounded yourself with people who agreed with your decision? Yeah, I definitely, I would say talk to people share that you're quitting your job don't just make that decision in isolation talk to your family your friends and i always kind of like get a gut check right and once you feel like it is the decision that you want to make going forward i think there's also different ways to handle it like two weeks is definitely industry standard and i would definitely not give any shorter like don't tell your employer you're going to be leaving tomorrow or the you know in a week or so i think the trick is also like if you give notice like too early and it's a very large scale company sometimes they might put the ball in their court and they might ask you to 
leave a little bit earlier. I think it depends on your job situation where if you have a small team and your absence might very you know heavily impact your managers, then it's good to sometimes people will talk to them maybe like a month in advance or something like that. That was something that uh, Mel had an experience with recently, right? Yeah. So um, when I got my current job right now, it was kind of unexpected. Like you, I was like, how do I quit my job? I don't know. I never quit my job before, actually. So my last company was the first one I actually put in two weeks notice for. And one thing I learned, because I on my team, it's only me and my manager. I was like, crap, this is going to affect her so much. And I think I gave her like three weeks notice. Also learning how to set it up, right? Like you want to kind of thank them for your for like the time they, they gave you to teach you how to build up your role. So show appreciation when you're like talking or meeting with your uh, manager and always do it in person, right? So I pulled her aside and I told her like, cause we, me and my old manager always had like weekly touch bases. We met in person. I told her like how much I appreciated her like guiding me and this role, how much it taught me. And I told her like, but with that though, I, I got another opportunity that I'm going to have to take. And I do want to talk about exit plan with you. How can I make this transition as smooth for you as it is for me? And then with that in place, we had like two to three weeks to play with. So I think just be really considerate about your current job and your current role and your existing team. And another tip I learned actually is like as much as you're excited to get a new job or want to move on, make sure you talk with your direct manager first before spreading the news because you don't want that. You don't want him or her to be finding this information out through the grapevine, right? So make sure everything is like buttoned up and your manager knows. So you and your manager can have a really clean transition plan for you and the rest of the team. But before making that step, ask yourself why you want to leave. Is it because there are opportunities on the line for you? Is a better job out there? I would just really think about it before making that jump because I think some people either like to have a job lined up or they're just really unhappy with their role. But really kind of like reflect before making that huge leap in your career. Hopefully that's helpful and that answers your question about just how do I quit a job. If you want to follow up with, you know, why you think you want to quit your job, Julia, despite loving, you know, the people that you work with and what you do, let us know in our DMs and maybe we'll just follow up with you directly. The next question we have here is what are your favorite things about your careers? And this is from at Joan L-A-Y-U-G. Well, Helen, what do you love about your career? You've been in it for like, what, almost I, 10 years? Almost 10 years. So I've been there for nine years now. I have thought about this before. I think two things. The first is that I feel like I'm a little bit of a nerd and this job has really brought that out of me. <laughs> I realized from this job that I really like problem solving. Like that is literally what I do, right? Problem solve for your client. Mm. I love Excel modeling. <laughs> That's like the nerdiest thing ever. But like when you have a very large dynamic model and you have like a bunch of variables in there, you change one variable and that changes the results of many different things. And you have like a handle of what happens when you do that. It's just nice to know and play around with it and like and try to figure out solutions. And when something actually works out well, it's like such a like thrilling, a, like, a thrilling thing. You like you're like so a puzzle weird. person, huh? Like yeah, you like yeah, yeah, I guess so. But that's one thing that I really have enjoyed about my job. And then secondly, now in the position that I'm in, I think what I do enjoy is also sharing my knowledge base with everyone else, sort of like guiding people, mentoring people, helping people in their careers. That's always a fulfilling part of it too. Those two things I would say has kept me at this job for a long period of time. And yeah. Helen totally brings those skills of Excel building into ABG. Because I'll be next to her in a meeting and she's like, like her fingers are like flying on the keyboard, like typing something up. And I'm just like, cool, girl, I cannot do what you do. <laughs> but it's really it's really beneficial. But I think it's really cool. But you can social media the heck out of our IG. <laughs> <laughs> I can try. <laughs> what about you, Mel? What do you love about your career? Man, that's just like a, I haven't really had time to think about it. I do enjoy that. I feel like my career, my life has come full circle. I think I've always been someone that grew up watching like, 
YouTube and media and wish or dream to be part of a company that does this full time, right? And I feel like I'm really fortunate to have a job where my job is focused on making really great YouTube videos and good content out there. Honestly, and I do social media for a living. Like who gets to say that? I get paid to be on Instagram and grow our channel and grow our Instagram accounts. I feel like I have a really fun job. Not a lot of people get to have jobs that they could call fun. I think the the one thing right now I'm really focused on that I love about my job and my career is that I am the only female and woman of color on my leadership team. And I feel like that's a very empowering position to be in because I think you need representation in like media and in people of power to show other people and other women out there that you can do this too. So yeah, I think it's an intimidating thing, but I feel very fortunate to have all these roles and being in an industry that I always loved and cared about growing up. And it's also very challenging. I feel like I'm not complacent. Mm-hmm. Which is good. which is good. How about you, Janet? So user experience design. One of the things that I really do like about this industry or this type of work is that it is very, very dynamic. I guess it's just like there's so many different ways to practice it. And there's also so many different types of companies you can work for. So whether that's like a more corporate type setting or a startup or freelancing, I like that there's flexibility in that that I can explore throughout my career. But secondly, what I've noticed particularly about my current job is that there's actually quite a few women in in user experience design. And it is a very like soft skill heavy industry. I feel like it attracts like people who are like feelers and really empathetic. And so that makes them naturally like really good people to work with. So yeah, that's something I like about it. The next one here is, do your coworkers know about or listen to ABG? And this is from Tifanza. Tifanza. <laughs> well, Helen, I know when we started, you're like, you don't really make it public where you work. I mean, we still don't. But then people are slowly trying to, slowly finding you now, yeah. right? Yeah, it's, um, hello, people from my job. <laughs> um, yeah, at first I remember saying, I think maybe on this podcast, that I found it like very strange. I think mostly it's because when I'm at work, I am very much like disheveled and I wear the same things to work all the time. I do not care about my appearance. All I want to do is get into work, do my job well, and then get out of there right so a part of me is like now that my worlds are sort of colliding between my career and my personal life it's like my resting bitch face has to turn into like a a normal happy face (laughs) like a very inviting face so now when I walk the hallways I do try to like look a little happier (laughs) like look people in the eyes instead of just like looking down on my phone but yeah I think I think people are starting to listen to it I think that's good and someone has told me before too like oh I I didn't think you'd want me to say hi because you mentioned on the podcast that you found it really awkward to say like to meet people in real life but I do enjoy it now so yeah Come come and say hi to Helen. (laughs) But yeah, I think it's cool. I think it's great that the message is spreading and people are actually finding Mm -hmm. really good value in what we talk about. So that's more rewarding than my RBF that I just have to get over. <laughs> so you don't have RBF. Oh, at work I do. Really? I look you're like always, a mess. You're yeah. so nice. I don't, I don't see that. And when I'm focused, I do not look nice. <laughs> well, how about you, Janet? Uh, your new job, do you think people are noticing? Or Yeah, I actually have had some coworkers because they, like, we found each other's handles on Instagram and stuff, and they're like, oh, what is this thing that you do? Is mm. it, you know? So some small mentions. My office is also pretty small, so. But the, actually, my last job, I had some people, like, stop me in the kitchen and stuff. It was a larger company. Mm. Uh, was it awkward? Were you like? Oh, no, I was, no, they were actually, it was really sweet. I, I was you know, yeah. sorry. Janet, honestly, is a little like, you're, out of all three of us, you're always been supposed to say hi. You're like, oh, like you're very cute about it. <laughs> you're like, you know what I wear down there and what I don't. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually, no, that, I, okay. 
getting at the heart or that part of the question where it's like, yeah, how does it feel for your coworkers to know all the things that we talk about in podcasts? Maybe in the moment, I'm like not really thinking about the stuff that I've said. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. But generally, I'm kind of like a pretty open person. So I'm like, it is what it is. Yeah. I, don't know. What, I mean, that's what I think about to myself too. I'm like, okay, they know my poop and period habits, right? Yeah. In the office. But it's like, everyone thinks about this stuff and it's yeah. just that no one talks about it. So just because you put it out there, it doesn't make you extra weird. It's just yeah, that you're yeah. more open about it. So that's true. How about you, Mel? Well, you guys know my boss. And Jason. Jason. Hey Jason, <laughs> I don't think okay, I might be wrong, but I don't think he listens to our, our podcast. Oh, or he's not caught up. Okay, I think he was. Jason, once you're caught up, let us know so we yeah. know when you're caught up. <laughs> but, no one, no um, one tell Jason. <laughs> most of my team knows about my podcast because I think we're all follow each other on Instagram and. A big reason why I got hired is because of the podcast, because it shows, like, my work ethic, I guess. So most of them, no. I don't think they all listen, though. But they're like, oh, I follow you on Instagram. They follow our Instagram handle, so they have a general idea what we do. And you like it? You don't feel weird about... I think because when I work with a lot of creatives, a lot of us have like projects side we work projects on the side. So it's just like, yeah. I'm, I'm just one of them that has my own side thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's pretty, like in my studio, that's pretty common too. So I kind of position it if people ask as like kind of a side project, mm-hmm. yeah. All right. So our last question for the work category is from the B shadows. Ooh. What do you do when you're in a career slump? That's hard. I feel like I'm being completely honest. I think no matter how much you love your job, you'll always hit moments like this. Yeah. What do you do? Honestly, I feel like... Take a vacation. Yeah. Actually, I think oftentimes people undervalue like how much that actually helps. I have found personally that like every two to three months, I need some time off. And it doesn't have to be a huge like two week break. It can literally be you extend a weekend to like three to four days and like properly go somewhere or even just stay inside but rest. Mm -hmm. So that's one way to kind of check. No, I agree with, with Janet. But one thing I learned too is like I do agree you definitely should take time off. But before, like in the past, I would take vacation and I'd be like running around New York City or do something more like on the go. But I realized that doesn't really re-energize me. It makes me more drained. So find the right type of vacation you need to kind of like figure your stuff out and like just to pick yourself up again. Because I know Janet recently before her current job, she went to Mexico for a few days. And I think based on that trip, it inspired me to take my Toronto two days off, my little trip before the the craziness of the rest of the event but Mm -hmm. just having two days to myself to explore and find things that I find energy from was really helpful for me to come back and be like yeah I'm ready to go for my job but I think the question also is like what is it about your career that you find the slump in right because I feel like vacations are something that's more temporary yeah like is it really your people that you work with that you can't really change Mm. you know do you want to move to a different department then if you like really can't stand the people in your department I think having conversations with people who are not just at your level I find that a lot of people complain to each other people at their Mm. own levels but then if you talk to someone who's like a level above you or even like your boss maybe if you feel Mm. feel comfortable enough doing that they can give you a lot of insight and help you focus your career on the things and even help you like shift your career towards the things that you like about the job and cut out the things that you like really don't like about the job right like I think vacations are for sure like I've taken a vacation and felt great coming back to work Mm -hmm. but then yeah I think when you're in a continuous slump then there's something that you have to fix about the job yeah no one's going to fix it for you other than maybe someone who has the power to do it and that would be your boss no I've also had experiences in the past where like if I'm feeling a little bored at work or if I feel like stagnant I looked into like classes to take so things to like supplement the skill set that helps me do my job better and like Helen said if you have like a manager someone you can go towards them to kind of give suggestions in my case I was kind of in this I think maybe for some of the listeners in our generation where like some of the startups are you 
you don't really have the best like structure of mm-hmm. support management, take personal initiative, like do research and find like side classes and then present them to whoever your, your boss is. If you notice that this is a continuous thing, like Helen said, like talk to your managers or other people in departments, but really take some time to reflect with yourself and say, hey, am I just not happy with my current role? Mm-hmm. Is it the company? And then use that time to be like, you know what? Maybe I need to look for another opportunity because I think that's what I actually did my last job. Like I was like, I'm kind of over it, mm-hmm. you know? And then that's when I started looking for other jobs and found my current one. Another thing is to, you can reach out to, like if you have an idea of maybe other things you want to do, reach out to people and grab coffee with them who do that thing. And basically like start doing external research. If you feel like you're not happy with what's happening inside and you do want to figure out what other options there are, Talk to other people. This episode is sponsored by Audible. As working women who are constantly on the go, finding time to enjoy stories can be challenging. With Audible, we are able to get things done while losing ourselves in a story. One thing I'm trying to do is consume more content created by Asians or Asian Americans. One audiobook I fell in love with is Pachinko by Min Jin Lee. Pachinko is an historic novel that follows a Korean family who migrates to Japan during 1910 and how they're affected by poverty, abuse, war, and wealth. The story is so riveting, I just couldn't stop listening. Explore all the ways listening on Audible can help improve mind, body, and soul with entertainment, information, and inspiration. Start listening with a 30-day Audible trial and your first audiobook. Plus, two Audible originals are free. Visit audible.com slash ABG or text ABG to 500-500. That's audible.com slash ABG or text ABG to 500-500. The next section under the category of broader life goals, what do you think you would be doing in another life? From Kelly from Toronto. Hmm. Hey, Kelly. Do we see you in Toronto? <laughs> yeah. Did you come by and say hi? That's tough. What I know. What do you think you would be doing Shoot. in another life? I mean, I feel like there are many moments in our lives where we make very big decisions, right? Even if it's like for college, if you want to, you know, stay on the West Coast or if you want to move all the way to the East mm. Coast, like all of these decisions could have totally changed the trajectory of your life. Yeah. One of the things that I, throughout the course of my life, that I found a lot of happiness with was playing volleyball. And I do think that if I really tried and pursued that, I mean, that would have been cool if I was a volleyball player, yeah. like through college and then, I don't know, maybe pro or something. I'm kind of short though, so it would only be back row. And I'm not that good anymore. But back then I was decent. Well, you're short. You're so tall. <laughs> no, for volleyball, I would have to play back row, which is like the defensive specialist or the libero, someone who's always just like being scrappy, running around and picking up the hard hits. Wait, what is the average height? For like hitters would be in college, probably like 5'11". Oh, oh wow. Okay. Yeah. And then I know for at Boston College, the libero, which is the back row specialist, was my height. So mm. she, yes, super, like you have to be small and scrappy, super fast, mm. but you don't have to be tall for that. I wouldn't definitely not make it in volleyball. <laughs> I would not either. I, don't. <laughs> I do think about that. I'm like, oh, in another life, that would have been fun. But I'm very, I'm very happy with like how yeah. things have played out. Yeah. I would say that with this like career, I think I'm at a point right now where literally everything makes sense, where I've thought about like my family, the things they've instilled in me, where it's like, make sure you're financially stable. That's why I have the job that I have now, but I'm able to find passion 
projects aside from this job and sort of like hit all different parts of my life that I, I want to like level up in. Mm-hmm. It's like now I'm like seeing that this all kind of makes sense. Yeah. Because if I didn't have the finance job, maybe I wouldn't be feeling like I'm an Asian boss girl or, yeah. you know, and then having this podcast and doing all these things. So I do feel very very happy to be where I am right now. I could yeah. I could totally relate to you. It's hard for me to contemplate what my life be if I were doing something else, right? Because I, like you said, like I'm actually really, really happy with where I am in life because even though things get tough, like sometimes I have a hard day at work, overall, I'm really happy with mm-hmm. everything I'm given, like the opportunities, the lessons, the learnings, like as cheesy as it sounds, it's just like, I feel so fortunate though, you know? But to answer her question, I don't know what I'd be doing in another life, but I never got to study abroad in college. Mm. And I've always wanted to work in Taiwan or in Japan or in Asia. I feel like I'd be there living or doing something there, crazy or cool. So I don't know what it is. It's somewhere abroad in Asia. Somewhere in Asia, for sure. So Helen would be a professional athlete. Mel would be somewhere in Asia. <laughs> somewhere. Maybe you would be like a food blogger or something. Oh, yeah, or something yeah. like that. Definitely media focused, yeah. but in like a different country in Asia. And you're all about Asian media. You'd be in Asia. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. right. I mean, this is like Asian boss girl. Sounds kind of familiar, right? How about you, Janet? Yoga Ooh. instructor? Oh, I didn't think about that. Yeah. Instructor? Yeah. I don't know. I was thinking like it would be really cool to be kind of like an artist, like living around different parts of like Europe, actually. Oh, mm, I can yeah. totally see that. Oh yeah. my gosh. <laughs> or traveling around to different parts of the world, I think. Like I would definitely be doing something more like quirky and like contemporary art. <laughs> I can see that. And Do it. You could totally. That, I feel like that kind of mixes with the UX design. No? Completely no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in the sense that people that go into user experience design sometimes will do like they they do art photography on the side or right. like other types of right, projects right. and stuff. Like but you're you're flexing your creative muscles in your yes. mind already. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that would be fun. Um, totally or maybe that. a yoga instructor that would be I actually thought about or like being a meditation instructor you have a good voice for that you have such a great wow. voice people should pay you to use your voice on an app so okay I would be on a mountain somewhere I would be on a mountain somewhere teaching meditation I suppose can <laughs> we make this all happen except for volleyball pointer that's never gonna happen <laughs> we could actually we could yeah I mean for you two I'm way too old is there a volleyball. league out there I don't know how does this work no there I'm is never- no 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 <laughs> my, my shoulders are all effed up now it's, it's a Aww. it's a past dream no I'll figure out something else. I'm happy with where I am now. Another question, which is actually under friendships, but it'll go under life as well. You guys seem to be friends with a lot of Asian YouTube stars. How did you meet them? How did you each meet? (laughs) Is being friends with famous people important to you? This is from Trang Evie. There's a lot of E's in there. Yeah. (laughs) That's a very interesting and good question. Well, let's be honest. We all met through Wang Fu. It was like... Yes. So I think it's just like, why are we friends with all these YouTube stars? I think they are the reasons why us three met. For me personally, well, I was an intern for Wang Fu. So I think working for them, naturally, I met a lot of people in the community. And I met Helen at a party through Wang Fu. And then I met Janet through a, a shoot. Yeah. Through David Choi. Yeah. yeah. Okay, fun fact. Mel is also still in my phone as Mel Wang Fu intern. I know, she needs to change that. <laughs> change of intern. But what I think is very fascinating about like where we are at this point in time is that the Asian community in media is so small. It is, it is. so small. I was actually talking to my boyfriend about this and we were saying how easy it is for someone to sort of just like integrate themselves into this like massive group of YouTube entertainers or whatever it is, right? Because you go to one event and as long as you like know someone, get brought to the event, you can meet a lot of people there. And then all of a sudden you're like doing a bunch of different things. So it's pretty fascinating to see how it's so close tight knit. And even the Kuriam Gala that we go to, you see like 
everyone there. Like Sandra Oh, you see a bunch of people who are already A-list celebrities there, and we all fit into one room. Yeah. It's crazy. I it's no, I totally agree. I think another point I want to bring up with in this like in terms of this question is that like I think the reason why we're friends with all these Asian YouTubers is because we actually all care about the same movement, right? We're all here to like fight for Asian representation, Asian stories. So I think naturally when you and your friends care about the same thing, you just kind of like... Or when you care about the same things as other people, you naturally develop friendships. Exactly. Funny thing, um, as we're talking about this, our friend Dan Matthews walks in, who's also, who is a, what, development director? What up? Oh my gosh. Sorry, we are recording right before going out on Friday, so. Dan Matthews. <laughs> they rap before they came. <laughs> but, okay, Dan, let's oh ask you gosh. this question. Someone said, you guys seem to be friends with a lot of Asian YouTube stars. How'd you guys meet? And it's being famous with, it's being, Perfect person. It's being friends with famous people important to you. Perfect person to bring on for this question, actually, because he is fully involved with Asians and media. He, like, runs it. I think... So, Dan Matthews on the pod. <laughs> no, this is a really relevant question. I think about this a lot. I think that there's two things to it. I think that we're all good people. And I think that we're able to like use our goodness for the community. If we have different ideas or different ways that we think that the community needs to be helped, that we can leverage those ideas to our friends with even more power to hopefully help them do good things in the community too. So I think that's great. And then secondly... It's awesome being inspired, being around amazing people. Everybody, you guys inspire me. All of our friends inspire me. And so it's just, it's really like, it just gets me like going. It makes me even more excited about everything. Awesome. Wow. So maybe a takeaway message is, Trangy V, whatever it is that you care about, find other people who care about that too and find your community. Thanks, Dan. Yeah. Dan Dan Matthews out. Come back to the pod. (laughs) At Dan, a.k.a. Dan (laughs) on Instagram. All right. Our next question, this is a bit of a random question. It's going to be our last one since uh, clearly we have people that have invaded our space now. (laughs) Um, So this is, what is your makeup routine? Or I guess we can have like a whole episode on this. What is your favorite makeup item that you use? Like, what do you need? I know, Mel, you're probably lashes, right? Oh, actually, I didn't think about it, but you're right. I need my eyelashes and my eyelash glue. And when I talk about glue, it has to be the wand. I don't want the squirting wand where I have to use it. I need a wand where I can apply the glue onto my lashes. I think for me, eyelashes make a huge difference. I think as a monolid, I feel like my eyelashes just make my eyes look a little bigger. Is that weird to say? Your eyes are beautiful with or without them, Mel. Yeah, thanks. I, you, you're all about that double lash life. Yeah. yeah. So yes, as you guys know, I do wear four eyelashes. I double layer two to have the illusion of minx. When eyelashes. you first said that to me before, I thought it was like four on each eye. <laughs> I was like, dang, no. that is intense. Two on each. But okay. yeah, I think for me, like my make or break item is eyelashes. Mm. I, I don't want to say it actually makes my eyes look bigger, but it makes me feel like I have more emphasis on the eyes. Like, mm-hmm. baba boom. Exactly. Yes. I have a similar, like, the focus on the eyelashes, but instead of lashes, my thing is mascara. Um, And I recently started looking more into, like, makeup products that are, don't do, like, animal testing and are also don't use animal products. So I purchased from Thrive Cosmetics. It's like a tubing mascara. Have you ladies heard of this? No, I haven't. So it actually, what it does is it creates a tube around the eyelash hair so that, like, when I wash my face, it's kind of funky, but you get, like, these, like, it's, like, it tubes off the hair instead of smudging. I don't know if I'm, like, loving it, 
Wait, so is it like something that it's like a particle get, that gets layered onto your eyes? Yeah, or? It, it'll basically wrap around the lash and then it oh. hardens so that when you take it off, it's like a little mini tube. It just oh, that's like, cool, it, actually. Yeah, like it peels off versus like it's like a condom for her eyelashes. Yeah. <laughs> condom for your eyelashes. But, yes. but yes. <laughs> Dan's still here, yes. But before that, uh, I also like CoverGirl has like really good brands for giving you really well-defined lashes and they do, it's like volume and also length. And I think for Asian eyelashes, like especially I find that it's hard to find ones that don't weigh down your lashes mm. so those brands kind of keep it lifted up but that would be my mascara and then second like I have a kind of more sheer blush that I use but those are the two things that I feel like make a big difference and are my go-to's how about you Helen mm. I mean I have falsies or not falsies extensions so lashes are one thing I think eyeliner I don't, mm. I don't know yeah mm-hmm. I always wear eyeliner I usually do my face regardless of what I'm gonna do that day because I mean you just never know right you just you might run into an ABG fan I don't know yeah (laughs) so I usually have everything like done up I do use some foundation like light foundation and then I do like my eyebrows which I just started to do this year actually like really nice threading you're expressive or threading and also filling it in yeah Yeah. I started to do I feel like a lot of like ABG Asian baby girls they do like the concealer that cuts your your eye eyebrow Mm -hmm. you know what I mean like makes it really super clean so I've been trying to do that but my hands are like not still enough for it. I'm getting too old. Wait, the foundation cuts your eyebrows? Yeah, like you're supposed to do, like draw a line using a very thin brush to oh. to like define the eyebrows. Define eyebrow. define your eyebrows yeah. exactly. Oh, yeah. I don't think I've seen that. I'll show you later. Yeah. Um, so that I guess that's eyebrows, eyelashes. I'm just naming my whole face now. Mm. What products <laughs> do you use for your eyeliner? For eyeliner, I think it's Revlon. Oh, okay. Yeah, I use a pretty cheap brand. Is it um waterproof? Yes. Awesome. No. Okay. (laughs) Sorry, no, it's not. It's it's liquid. It's liquid. And then I use another one from uh, Japan, Dolly. Have you heard of them? No. They're really good too. Oh. But you can only get them at Japanese stores. That's hard. Does Daiso have it? No. Daiso has it. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of eyeliner, like a really good brand I was going to say to you guys is like, I use MAC Gel Liner. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I tried it is this before. so, so good. good. Yeah. I wear so many eyelashes. I get teary-eyed a lot. So that mm-hmm. one's a really good product to use. But yeah, that's our favorite makeup, I guess, like products. that wraps today's episode thank you guys so much for submitting your questions we're definitely going to continue doing these so look out for us on instagram at asian boss girl and we'll do call outs um, or just dm us if you have questions so if you guys like what you hear make sure to subscribe to us on itunes at abg asian boss girl we're on all the podcasting platforms overcast stitcher we're on spotify so make sure you guys check us out there and we will catch you on the next episode bye, bye.